Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. But we left off establishing that the law had been done away with, right? And what then is its place, you know? And it's important to highlight, again, I haven't taught on covenants, but it's important that we remember that covenants are bloody things by design. A, a, a covenant without blood is a wishful fantasy. Yes, sir. It's, it's nonsense. It's worse than a prayer. So think of all the covenants you ever made with God. Think all of them. Nonsense. And then it's also even more um, pertinent when you realize that even where you did the Baal-ish way. You know the Baal-ish way, 1 Kings 17? Mount Carmel, Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Asherah, 850 of them. Um, They prayed from morning until the first sacrifice at noon and no answer. (laughs) Elijah comes and says, pray louder. Maybe your God is on a journey. (laughs) There's no network where he is. (laughs) Oh, he's asleep. (laughs) A God that sleeps. A shrine that closes. Oh, who heard me? If your native doctor sleeps, you are not safe. If we can lock up your God and there's no access until the shrine keeper opens him up. Wow. Not wow. But, uh, uh, what are you? We can lock the house of your and we can't access your God till the morning. The person responsible for your security and protection in this life sleeps. The talisman by which you are fortified, he switches off his phone. You see how profound simple things can be? This one tells you, he that watches over you, neither slumbers nor sleeps. Hallelujah! Your father, in all eternity, has never worn nighty, nighty. Never worn pajamas. Never. Never. Neither slumbers nor sleeps. Keep healthy. 
Because of that, the sun cannot smite me by day or the moon by night. And, oh, and that was not referring to sun and moon. No, no. no. It's referring to principalities. Mm. Pestilence that walks in darkness and the arrows that fly at day. Yeah. Yes, yes. Sun, day. sun and moon. Yes. These are, these are, these are things that, that this other, the, what they are called the otherworldly guys. These people of the other world. These are things that they've understood that the church has no clue about. So things they've understood. These are terminologies they understand. The sun by day and the moon by night. What does it mean? It's not talking about the lights. It's talking about the elementals. Don't forget the word translated elements I've taught you here. Refer to both certain things in the terrestrial and in the celestial. You say elementary spirits. It's talking about spirits that operate in the elements. The sun and moon represent the lights of the elements. The elemental. It's not talking about the sun and moon. Because if the sun will not smite you by day, how will you get vitamin D? Duh! How will he say he causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust? And then he's saying that the sun he causes to shine should not smite you by day. If that's what it means. Come on, man. He's <laughs> talking about elementals. Comes on sleep. Comes on slumber. And so you caught a covenant. Father, I got a covenant with you today. Ratified by what? And then you put your blood and say, self mutilation. Like I was saying in Elijah's case. He says, Your God is sleeping. See, that's enough gospel yes, for a prophet of Baal to have said, I not do again. Yes, they were actually very stupid. Yes, ah, somebody say, pray harder, your God is traveling. And you know what? They prayed harder because they know that their God used to travel. Yes, you carry him now and move him from place to place. So they're like, they're like, reason It's like a if. So they Truly, contrary to what Elijah hoped, yes. he hoped that what he said to them would reset their senses. No, the guys took it up a notch. It's true, he's possibly sleeping. Let's wake him up. Jesus said, When you pray, it's not endless babble of vain repetition. So when we pray fervently, we're not praying fervently for God to hear us. No, it's your faith you are building up. You're not praying for God the loudest, the louder your amen, the, the faster your miracle. That God should not show up. Him as miracle should not show up. What silliness is that? The loud, the fast, the louder our shout amen. Is it louder that? So God's blessings are based on decibels? Wow. It's based on how loud you shout. Like, God, see me here. Grace is nothing if it is not extravagant. It's nothing.
nothing if it's not reckless. I mentioned to you last week, I don't know if you remember when I said it, the promiscuity of God's love and grace. This is my testimony from death to life. Grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Hey. Then we say, somebody give me a death. I always cannot move. Aww. So they are screaming. Yeah, maybe it's true. Our God is sleeping. Our God cannot hear. Maybe there's no light. <laughs> so the other shows prophets. <laughs> He keeps screaming. And here's what they introduce into the mix to get the attention of their bloody God. They start to self-mutilate. Start to cut themselves. So they can bleed and so their God can see, come on, we are shedding our lives for you. Now here's the interesting thing. Their God, their God, victory, did not respond. Our God did not respond. They are after a God's attention. If they did well enough, some God should respond. None did. Let's bleed. God's love blood. Cut themselves. Their gods didn't respond. Neither did ours. Because there's nothing he can do with your blood. If gods respond to blood, not ours. There was only one specimen of blood that he would respond to. And that one specimen of blood, sir, he would respond to it only once. So even today, we are not coming to God today on the basis of the blood. We're coming on the basis of the access we have from the Son. He shed his blood once. We have access continually. We're not pleading the blood to enter the presence. Once. So even our God did not respond. What makes you think that when you draw any blood, he will respond? Say, God, Father, make this covenant. It's you. That, that what? As what? Any t- I said covenants are bloody things. Where the blood is going to be invoked, only the superior covenanter orders it. The superior person is the one that determines the dictates of the covenant. If the covenant is not ratified without blood, when blood is required, it is the superior 
covenanter that will dictate how it should be offered. Are you here? So you can't just come and offer what you like. So you're entering covenant with God. So because that's works, God should look at you and look at what you have offered. And honor it based on what. So again, yes, in this season, you must be careful when you hear covenant, 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 covenant. You must be careful. The Lord and I spoke on the basis of what? You must be careful. Covenant, 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 covenant. From where? I, I struck a covenant with God. And I said, God, if I, you shall. God determines the dictates of a covenant. Yes, sir. Exodus 24. What purpose then does the Lord serve? Let's go from verse 1. Exodus 24, not 21. Exodus 24. And he, the Lord, said to Moses. Now you see, when I'm reading the scriptures, and I come upon a verse like this, and I see he, I don't want to take it at face value. I like to go back until I can see for myself with my eyes where the he was made clear. Does that make sense? And this starts off in verse 22 of 20. Exodus 20, 22. Long speech. God speaking to Moses. Oh, sorry. Angels gave the law, not God. <laughs> Moses heard angels and thought it was God. But Moses wrote of Jesus. Are we okay? Do you understand the question? It was angels that spoke to Moses. So Moses, at some point, we, we, neither Moses nor us can be sure of who Moses was actually hearing. But can we be sure of what Jesus said when he said, if you believe Moses, you believe me because Moses wrote of, uh, of me. So, but the Lord did not come from God to Moses. It came from angels. And so when God is speaking to Moses, it's probably angels. They understand it. Faith is not the absence of sense. No, no, see. Contrary to religious opinions, faith makes absolute sense. Let me clarify. Faith, as in terms of doctrine, conviction, pistis, makes sense. God is not calling to me a walk of, ah, I don't understand it, but I just believe. I will never understand it until I get to heaven. Say, like, is here what I understand it? No. Oh, you didn't know the understanding. When you get there, you need to understand it. It's here you understand it. That's why it is adoption is for mature people. <laughs> so where are you gaining the maturity? Now, in this meeting. I said in this meeting. And tomorrow's meeting. And Friday's meeting. And Tuesday's meeting. That's your adoption preparatory class. The gathering of the saints is your adoption preparatory class. 
Despise it to your own peril. You see, this is where we need to understand it. Oh, when you get to heaven, it will not make, will not make sense. No, no, this is where the sense is going to be made. In meetings like this, all across the city, all across the nation, all across the world. Yes. This, this is where it's making sense, sir. So when we get to heaven, all our questions will be answered. No, no, no. Scripture doesn't teach that. <laughs> Faith makes sense. Doctrine is for understanding, not for mystification. Hey, are you here? It's not for mystification. Oh, I tell you a mystery. I tell you a mystery. I tell you a mystery. My friend! Mysteries were hidden in ages before. They're not telling us mysteries. You are telling us the uncovering of what was before now. A mystery. I was hidden. Doctrine is for understanding. For mystification. You come for a meeting. You sit on that teaching. You walk away with more questions and answers. You're wondering, how do I access these portals? I am the way. It's no longer enough for you. I am the door. It's no longer enough for you. Turn the veil, that is his flesh. Enter the holiest by his blood. It's not enough for you. It's what a pseudo apostle says who has been with God. The senior covenanter dictates the terms of a covenant. Exodus 20, that's where we were. Oh, my God. What a season to be alive. What a season to be in the light. Exodus 20 and 22. Then the Lord. So who's speaking here now? And as the Lord starts off from here in 22 of, of 20 of Exodus, he goes right on all through 21. Non-stop. Okay, talking about a lot of stuff, animal control laws, the laws concerning violence, you know, all of that stuff. He keeps going right into 22 about responsibility for property. You know, if one steals an ox and slaughters it, he shall restore it to five ox and four sheep for one sheep. Why steal and see something? And he goes on right through chapter 22. He keeps talking into 23 verse 1. You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. He goes on all through 23 and he comes into 24 and he's going right up. And then 24, he starts to bring in covenant stuff. Okay, still speaking in one breath. And he gets to verse 3 of 24. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. <laughs> and Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. 
And he, wrote, he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood of the oxen, right? And put it in basins and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. That's what it's alluded to in Hebrews 10, blood of sprinkling. Seven, then he took the book of the covenant. What is the book of the covenant? The words of the Lord he had just written. He wrote down all the words of the Lord, verse 4, right? Took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people and they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood, verse 8, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord, Lord, has made with you. According to all these words. That's how the covenant starts to be introduced. By what? Blood. Introduced by who? The chief mediator. Not the other person. Are you following me now? In Luke 22, on the night that he was betrayed, this is verse, let's go from verse 14. When the hour had come, Luke twenty-two fourteen. 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it. Remember this? Church consciousness. What a series. I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. 19. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 20 is where we're going. Likewise, or in the same manner, he took the cup after supper. The cup was after supper. It was the supper and then the cup. saying <laughs> this cup is the new covenant this is the cup of the new covenant in not in blood But in my, he says, blood. So was that an existing covenant before? Yes. Could it have been the perfect covenant? No, because it involved 
unqualified blood. Yes, sir. I explained to you a while ago, I can't remember what teaching it was, that it couldn't have been perfect because one, human beings were not allowed for their blood to be shed because the life of a thing is in his blood. Two, no human being had perfect blood, which means perfect life. Yeah? Blood in the kingdom is equal to life. Make sense? But Jesus lifts his cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So the shedding of his blood introduced a new covenant. Now when something is new, it means it retires. I mean, it's, oh, come on, man. It retires the old. Both of them cannot be enforced at the same time. This is where we left off. Is it not? Hebrews 9. From verse, actually, let's go from verse 1. Um, and I'd like perhaps, perhaps the NLT, I guess, is a trade-off. The first covenant between God, can you see that? The first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in the tabernacle, in that tabernacle. In the first room were lamps, stand on the table, the sacred loaves that David and his guys ate. Yeah. That's so funny. It cracks me up every time. Yes, say, wait a day. Say, not the only God bread. Bring it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like God's bread. Hey, he's my father. No, he's God. No, he's my father. Because you cannot eat your God's bread. So David did not go there to eat that bread as the bread of God. He had seen the blessedness. Hey, because Paul says David speaks of the blessedness. David saw the blessing. So on account of the blessing he saw, he said, bring that bread. Go on, go shameless. Bring that bread. Now, bread, et, is killing priests. And the bread that is killing priests of the law was giving life in grace. You are a Levite, you are a priest. Touch the bread. So the bread was never meant to be apprehended by the works. The bread was never meant to be laid hold of by the works of the law. That's why a priest, a Levitical priest in the temple could not partake of the bread. Because if he could partake of it successfully, it means that it could come by works. If you touch it by works, you die. Dead works, both works that profit nothing and works that lead to death. So it took somebody coming outside the purview of the law. I'm not a priest. The law is the law. The law is written to whom it is written to. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what Paul says? The law is written to, to the law givers, the law breakers. Me, I'm not in that law thing. Give me bread. I have seen. Hebrews 9. 
There were two rooms. It was three, right? It was two. It, lampstand, a table, the circuit loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Keep going. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was the second room called the most holy place. In that room, the most holy place, were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna. What is this? That's what manna meant. In Hebrew, manna, manna, manna. It's a question. In Hebrew, manna means what is this? So when that food fell from the sky and the Jews went, Mana, it became the name. Okay? Mana. What, what is this? Okay? It, wasn't this? it was not some special name or anything. Mana means what is this? So when this mysterious flakes fell from heaven, you're like, Mana. The name stuck, just like Adam. The name stuck. Okay, so mana means, what is, what is this? What's this, what's this thing we're eating from this guy? So, Aaron's staff was containing mana. Aaron's staff that sprouted or budded leaves and the stone tablets of the covenant. Verse one. The first covenant. Hmm? The first covenant. End of verse four. Verse four, last slide. First covenant had the stone tablets of the covenant. You can add the first covenant. Okay, verse 5. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room, that's the holy place, as they performed their religious duties. Right? But only the high priest, somebody say only the high priest. Only the high priest. Ever entered the most holy place. And only once a year. Only the high priest. Only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins. That means the high priest was not sinless. He had to deal with his sins first. And in fact, the dealing of his own sin was more crucial. A cow for him alone. A small baby goat for all of Israel. For his own sins, and because once the mediator is perfect, the deed is done. Uh, for the sins of the people the pe that they had committed in ignorance. Verse 8. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. Stay in verse 8. Give us TPT. Let's see what, how he puts this. Now, the whole... The, the, you can, James. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. King James, let's go from the diff most difficult language and then walk our way back. The Holy Ghost, this signifying 
Somebody say types. types. Say shadows. shadows. Say symbols. symbols. Say tokens. tokens. Very important. The Holy Ghost, this signifying, or using this to signify that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So we explain all that the tabernacle contains, explain all that the holy place contains, explain all that the most holy place contains, explain how the priest went into the holy place, but only the high priest went into the most holy place, and even that once a year and not without blood. Oh, yeah. we said all this to say to you that all of this was the Holy Spirit showing you that access no day. Okay, NLT. So, so that old tabernacle was not showing you access. Are you still here? The tabernacle of Moses was not showing you what is. Holy Spirit, help me with this. It's showing you what could be that is limited by what is. The holy the tabernacle of Moses was not showing you how to enter God's presence. How to handle the Old Testament. It's very crucial. It's very important yes, to understand. Because yes, there's some prayers David prayed. You cannot pray. You cannot pray. With all David saw, there's some things he did not see. So you can't come around and say, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then you now come to a church service and say, Let us start by giving God thanks because the Bible says, Let's enter his gates with thanksgiving. Is the church's gate? Is church service, church program, his gate? Have you not come to Mount Zion? Have you not come to the church of the firstborn? Is that not your past permanent domicile? Why are you coming with thanksgiving? Where are you coming from? Where are you coming from? That's where you are. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his court with praise. Having boldness! That's what Hebrews says. Come before the holiest. And that's why for us who have now been resident in the presence, for us, giving thanks when? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How? Giving thanks? Thy comings, thy goings, thy sleepings, thy wakings, whether it's a regular day or a birthday, whether you got a job or you lost one, giving thanks. God enter his gate. Enter his, we're in his court, we're in his presence. Who's the gate are we entering? You don't know what happened to the gate, okay? You are still thinking of the gates in future tense. What happened to the gates was what they meant when they said, lift up your head, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. So now, we, there's no gates. The gates have been lifted up. Yes, sir. Hey, man, that's trouble. 
you know what David, do you know what David borrows? The allusion that he makes to gates, the drawbridge concept in Hebrew times that the Romans also adopted, where you crank the gate up, lift up the gate to let an authorized sentry or authorized authority come in. It says, lift up your head, oh, you get. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. The king will let me come in. That's the same analogy, the same example that Samson as a type of Christ showed us when he went to that Philistine city, removed the gate by the doorpost and took it where? On the mountain and dropped it there. Same Philistine that and what it represents, whose head David cut off. Signifying what? Sin. Move the gate. Took it on the mountain. On the hill. The gates are lifted up. Yes, Oh, tell anybody the gates are lifted up. And so that was showing you what you didn't have. Yes, sir. It wasn't the, the tabernacle of Moses was not prescription for access. Hmm. Put that verse up. Back up in the NLT. Let's consider it together. We're in Hebrews 9. Verse 8. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not what? As long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. Are you following now? TPT. Now, the Holy Spirit uses this what now? Can you see this? It uses the symbols of this pattern of worship to reveal that the Perfect way of holiness had not yet been a shepu. For as long as the tabernacle stood, hold up, go back to verse 8, stay in the message. Verse 8, stay there for a minute. Message, verse 8. Are you getting this? Yes, This was the Holy Spirit's way of showing with a visible. Wait, hold on. Was the tabernacle real? Was it real? Did it exist? As a what? And what was the tabernacle of Moses highlighting? As long as the large tent stands, People can't just walk in on God. That's what the tabernacle was trying to show you. Uh, NLT was 9. Hebrews 9 and 9. This is a what? Hey. Are you using the Bible? King Jimmy. 9 and 9. 
which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not, somebody say not, no. make him that did the service. Perfect. Kai, 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 kai. Kai. So with the cow, even with the cow, could not make he that offered the sacrifices. Next slide. Perfect as pertaining to the conscience. NLT. Are you, are you learning anything? Yes, sir. This is an illustration pointing to the present time for the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the priests themselves, the people who offer them, who bring them. Tipity. How much money put that they are turning for? It was an illustration that pointed to our present time of fulfillment, demonstrating that offerings and animal sacrifices had failed to perfectly cleanse the conscience of the worshiper. Message. So by the time you hear, bring a cow, bring the teeth of a lizard, bring the shell of an antelope, under this system, the gifts and sacrifices can't really get to the heart of the matter. Can't assuage the conscience of the people. Go on. But are limited to matters of ritual and behavior. It's essentially what want to go, eh? Yes. Are you seeing the scriptures? King James, verse 10. Which stood only in meat and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time. NLT. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies. All of these are what? Physical regulations that were in effect only. Until a better system could be. Verse 11. That's where he starts to get juicier. So, Christ. Has now become. Put New King James or King James. I like how he puts it. King James. KJV. But Christ being come. But Christ being come. Or having come. Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. Oh, I feel so deep. Hallelujah. Somebody tell me, preach, preacher. For Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. New King James. NKJV. Christ came. There was a system in place awaiting reformation. A system in place awaiting a better system. And that system was there to show you how that system cannot give you access. Yes, sir. 
I said, the reason why I'm taking my time to teach you this. So a generation of people can grow up with no recourse to the old. No recourse to the old. And they realize, ah, man. That if you look at it very critically, look at it very, very critically, yes. There's three generations in all of time and eternity. Because there's three days. There's the generation of the old covenant. There's the generation of the new covenant. And then there's the generation of the day of the Lord for eternity. So really, new generation is not people who are 40 and below. New generation believers are new covenant believers. This is the generation of them that seek Jacob. Generation was not referring to time. It's referring to conviction, belief, faith. Let's leave that. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater, somebody say greater, and more tabernacle because the first tabernacle was given to show you as a visible parable that you can't enter. But it was in place until Greater and more perfect tabernacle. And this one is not made with hands. That is, this is not of this creation. Are you following this? Verse 12. He came not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place how many times? Once for all. Having obtained what? Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer as a female cow, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, mm-hmm, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience, which is what the other sacrifice could not do, from dead works to do what? Serve Living God, 15, let's all read together. One, two, go, verse 15. And for this reason, he is the, shout it. Hold on. By means of, which is to say, by means of blood. For the life of a thing it's in is, so to take life, which is to minister death, is to take blood. And for this reason, He's the mediator of the new, not a new, the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the. So now I'm going to ask a question. We'll leave no answer today. Are there transgressions under the new covenant? No. Are the answer? The question that you need to answer to answer that one is, can the new covenant generate transgression? If it can, where is it being generated from? If it takes law to generate sin. Conversations the church does not want to have. 
with the first covenant. Sins that were committed on account of that covenant have been removed. We have a new covenant. What then is seen in the new covenant? How can sin have a sting in the absence of the law? What am I in it? Goes back to a question I've asked a few times in a few teachings. What really, for a new believer, New Testament believer, I see? What really is sin? If Paul would say to the saints, put away. To all who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, do you not know? To, to the saints, sanctified, hagios. Let no such thing be found among you. Yes, sir. Conversations the church is not ready to have. Yes. Conversations that rock the status quo of what you call Christianity. Sins committed, transgressions committed under the first covenant. Same thing Romans 3 says that he, in his forbearance, he passed over sins that were previously. So there should be an error, a dispensation, an eon that is actually sin free. For whom sin is not an issue. Mess, regardless. Because if we're washing you of sin, what did Jesus pay for? What did his blood do? Really? If we are in church, forsaking not the guardian of the saints, so we can be washing you of sin. What did he took away? Oh, your past sins. Oh, not your current sins. Right. But your unborn five children, their sins are already forgiven. Are you okay? People that will be born in 2080. Their sins are forgiven. Their sins, they have not even begun to be conceptualized in order to be born, in order to sin. Are forgiven by the same one sacrifice of Jesus. It's your... Yesterday's sin that the cross has a problem with. What are you calling yesterday's sin? What are you calling sin? But your father is so vindictive and volatile. This, he, will, he has deleted your name from the book of life. Nonsense. What's your name doing there? Deleted your name. And if you, don't, if you will not confess, your name is not going God doesn't carry you until you can carry yourself. Carries you forever until. Transgressions committed under the first covenant. That means if we're going to be honest and true to scripture, only the first covenant can generate transgression. Yes, if we're going to be honest with scripture. TPT perhaps. So Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship with God so that those who accept the invitation 
will receive the eternal inheritance he has promised to his ears. For he died to release us the message. Through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as the unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live out for God. NLT? Yes. This is why he's the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal life. Inheritance that God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had. Excuse me. I said I'm not teaching covenants yet. I, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not lying. The moment you are born, you are born loaded with sin, remember? Good. Your sins are forgiven. You arrive to collect it. What makes or what brings about sin? Go back to last week's teaching. Two weeks. The law. The law is what brings about sin. For where there's no law, there can be no imputation of sin. Which covenant brings about law? All correct. First covenant, old covenant. So when you're born as a sinner, what really is that giving the opportunity to do? Switch covenants. So in the moment that you're born, you're born as it were, as it were by default into the old covenant. It's in the old covenant we're talking about forgiveness of sin. So really, when you are forgiven and you drink of Jesus, what do you drink into according to Luke 22? A new covenant. Does that make sense? One sacrifice. Forward dated, backdated. That is why 65 years from now, your children are forgiven. And 6,000 years before the cross, their sins were forgiven. So if you enter a new covenant that is void of law, how could you ever be a sinner? So if there is what the church defines as sin in the church, it's because the church kept the law in the pews. Yes, because it takes the law to awaken sin. Yes, if there's sin in the church, whatever sin is, the church put it there. Because the new covenant is a sin-free zone. Transgressions committed under the first covenant. 16. Now, when someone leaves a will, it's necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. Keep going. Then, the will goes into effect only after the person's death. 
Well, the person who made it is still alive. The will cannot be put into effect. Make sense? Next verse. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect. With the death of an animal. That old will that was given to show you that you have no access. Type, shadow, visible, parable. Did not take effect until something died. Because it's an imperfect, as it were, covenant, an imperfect thing died. And had to keep dying. Deliberately. Next verse. For after Moses had read God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves. Remember, that's why I took you to Exodus 24. And goats, along with water. And sprinkled both the book of God's law. (laughs) And all the people. Using high soap. Branches and scarlet wool. 20. Saying, this, is, this blood confirms the covenant God made with you. Keep going. In the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. 22. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood. So if there was sin to forgive today, blood would have to be shed. There is no negotiating it. There's no prayer. I've said it over and over and over. There's no prayer that can deliver forgiveness of sins. No contrition. You know contrition to feel so broken. No contrition, no brokenness, no repentance that can deliver to you forgiveness of sin from God. No. Blood must be shed. Fresh blood. I'm bringing us no yesterday's. It's not, it's not a bakery. I'm not bringing us yesterday's bread. Fresh blood, baby. So if God is forgiving your sin today, blood must be on the altar today. For without the shedding of blood. Not without the application of blood. In other words, without the giving of a life. See why it's important that you understand your sins were forgiven at once. Once. Because if you need forgiveness today, can I prophesy to you, you are not getting it. Because we will need to kill a fresh Jesus. And not the guy in the hood in Argentina. We will need a sinless Jesus. Now imagine how many Jesuses you need. Only you. Every day. 
you bloodthirsty animal. <laughs> Think God is stupid when he said once. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And so if the blood that could be shed was shed once, all sin that can be sinned was forgiven once. So are you now saying people can do whatever they like? It's your dirty mind that is already doing whatever you like. That is bringing that nonsense. Scripture doesn't teach that. But you see, see, don't twist the scriptures because it is ridiculous. See, if if it sounds, oh my God, if it sounds normal, it's not the grace of God. It's not the grace of God. It's not. Is that ridiculous? Or else you cannot claim that the one sacrifice of Jesus paid the price for all time. What does all time mean? Sin in all time. Duh. Oh, don't tell them. So they don't know. If they know, I said to you last week, it is knowledge of who you are that frees you. Sin was removed, removed so that we should live in it no longer. Means, means we have no capacity yes, sir. to live in it anymore. Yes, sir. Scriptures teach that very clearly. Go and look. look. No, there's nobody who is not walking in sin that will be a sin prefect. I repeat, nobody who is sin free will be a sin prefect for the third time. Nobody who is not walking in sin will police sin. By the time you are confident you are not walking in sin, if anything, you'll be grateful for the grace of God that brought you there apart from works. You will not be, you'll be too grateful for grace to be looking for a, a, a speck in somebody's eye. No sinless person engages in fishing for sin. If you are truly sinless, you celebrate it in being thankful for the grace of God. Thankful and grace are the same word, caris. Mm, you're not looking around. Look at you. Ooh, you are sinning. Look at you. I saw you the other day. It's not you. That in itself shows that you already are compromised. As far as sin is concerned, if blood is shed once, sin was paid once. Now, if that's the case, 23, that's why, 23 is fine. That's why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by blood of animals. Copies. Contextually here, doesn't mean replicas. Contextually means inferior models 
Let, let's, let me see. Let me see TPT or, or message. And so it was necessary for all the earthly symbols of the heavenly realities. Can you see that? Symbols, realities. Message. That accounts for the prominence of blood and death in all the secondary practices that points to the realities of heaven. It also accounts for why, this is going ahead of it, but it's okay. It also accounts for why when the real thing takes place, these animal sacrifices aren't needed anymore. Copies of things in heaven should not be interpreted to mean as in this context, as it is in heaven, so it was in the tabernacle. That's because that's, again, what people preach. That this was a type of what was in heaven. If this was a type, then it would not be showing you how not to get access. It would be showing you access. If it was a type of what is in heaven, then why did the, the veil need to be torn? That means there was a veil in heaven. If it's a replica. So copy cannot mean replica. Because nothing tells us in the scriptures that there's a veil even between the 24 elders and God. So instantly, contextually, copies here would mean inferior models. Does that make sense? Back to New King James. When 23. The heavenly things themselves are better sacrifices than these. 24. But for Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands. That means Christ was not in Moses' tabernacle. I have to go and check this. But you realize that for the most part of God's encounter with Moses, it was hardly in the tabernacle. Okay, okay. I have to. That's worth, that's worth looking into. I won't speak too much on it because I haven't, I haven't researched it. But for the most of my recollection, my small recollection, most of God's encounters with Moses, I mean, they met him there, but... He has not entered that tabernacle. Because if man built it, he doesn't live in it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He doesn't dwell in tabernacles made by human hands. Yes, sir. So that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If man built it, God doesn't move into a house a man built. You can't build a temple for God. He said it himself in Isaiah. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my foot. What tabernacle do you want to build for me? He said it. But the builder and founder is God. Scripture is clear. He has not entered the tabernacle. Made with hands, which are copies, inferior replicas, models of the true. But he entered where? Into heaven itself. He didn't branch through the tabernacle of Moses. 
he appeared in the presence of God for us. Five. Not that he should offer himself often. Hey. Hey. NLT or TPT? And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again. Like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year and even that with the blood of an animal. Is he not? TPT. Under the old system, year after year, the high priest entered the most holy place, sanctuary, with blood. Borrowed blood. Rented blood. But the Messiah did not need to repeat Elamoda Kosherame. To repeatedly offer himself year after year, command, which means we should keep going. For that would mean he must suffer repeatedly ever since the fall of the world. But he has appeared at the fulfillment, fulfillment, fulfillment. Remember that word, pleru, plerumenoi? For fever of the ages to abolish, abolish sin. Abolish sin. Abolish sin. Next line. King James, King Jimmy, 26. Otherwise, for then, he must often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once, in the end of the world, hath he appeared to do what to sin? By the... Jesus put it away. He didn't ask your permission. You can carry it and put it back on and undo what Jesus did. Jesus did nothing. If I can do and undo that easily, then Jesus didn't need to bother. Are you still here? Twenty-seven. And as it is appointed for men to die once. But after this judgment, so also Christ was offered once. You, how many times do you die? How many times will you die before you face judgment? So how many times do you want Jesus to die? That's the argument. If 
man does, that is how many times? So then, how, why do you want Jesus to be dying and suffering every day? When men die, so since men die once, Jesus died once to bear the sins. After he has died now and sat at the right hand of the Father, Hebrews 4, the next appointment with you and Jesus is salvation. Yes, sir. <laughs> he has died, he has sat once. Next appointment you have with this, with this is salvation. That's why we look forward to it eagerly. Maranatha. Eagerly. Eagerly. Your next appointment is salvation. Guaranteed. Are you here? Where then does the law leave us? If it's a testament that has been abolished because it's been fulfilled, it's been put away. We just went through Hebrews 9. Into Hebrews 10, from verse 1, you start to get your answer. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things. Shadow. As much as you love me right now, my shadow can hug you or do nothing for you. You can't, you can't take a photo of my shadow. To engage with me, you need to engage with my image. The law was shadow, long, distant, opaque, shadow, and not the image. It could never with these same sacrifices which they offer, continually year by year, make those who approach perfect, sad, because that's not what the law was designed Poor law. Hmm? Try and make the, the justification to come by the law. Three. See what the law used to do instead. Verse three. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins. <laughs> there is a reminder of sins every year. In those sacrifices. Imagine how sad you are, like, oh, we're back here again after one year. After one year. You're feeling sorry for the priest. Is this the year that the high priest will come out alive or he'll die? Reminder of sin every year. Thank God for the work of Jesus. Verse 4, this is why there was a reminder, because it is not possible, verse 4, that the blood of bulls or goats... Take away sins. 
brings me to verse 5, which I touched in understanding this gospel series too. I said, God hates sacrifices. God has never liked sacrifice. Hey, what are you saying? Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you what now? What's a body? And I said in UTG series 2, that's why God told Samuel, uh, uh, Saul through Samuel, obedience is better than whose obedience was being prophesied. So when he came into the world, he said, sacrifices you did not desire, but a body <laughs> you have prepared for me. Six, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had. Then I said, verse seven, behold, I have come. Christ being come. I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Eight. Previously saying sacrifice and offering, burnt offering and offerings for sin you not desire. In other words, in quoting that or in reference to that. Which are offered according to the law. Then he said, verse 9, I have come to do your will. That means the will of God is in opposition to the law. The law was a guardian to deliver his will. The law was not his will. Even though it was his making. We must understand that. It was not his his will, but it was his making. The law was not the final destination, but it was of God. Ishmael was not the final destination, but it was of God. Esau was not the final destination, but it was of God. Adam was not the final destination. I can go on. I said some time ago, I said the fact that God used a thing or place does not mean he intended to camp there. He says in 9, I, I come to do your will, O God. And I was waiting all day to get to this statement. He takes away the first that he may He does what to the first? Hmm. Let's see how a few translations render this. Can you see that word on there? He cancels. Heesh. I thought we can misk the tooth. <laughs> I thought Bala is my name and balance is my game. He counsels. Don't say it out loud. Religion might hear you.
Nothing happened. He didn't butter the first covenant to make it easy for you to eat it. The microwave, sorry, warm it. That's a strong word, cancel. First covenant in order to put the second into effect. It means it is obvious. Both of them cannot coexist. <laughs> cannot coexist. If both of them could coexist, then Jesus had no business saying you cannot serve God or mammon at the same time. You must choose one and the other. You must leave the other and follow the other. Why would he be concerned about serving two masters when we can serve both law and grace? Should have simply preached a message of balance. Yes. Balance God and Mammon. You'd be okay. Why is he telling you you cannot have two, ma- two masters? You must choose one and leave the other. Why is he telling you you cannot plant two different fr- crops on your farm? You can't wear two different fabrics on your dress. He has never advocated what the world or the church call balance. Scriptures have never preached balance. Scriptures have never preached balance. Cancels, it takes away the first. Because what was it? Copies. Inferior models of the original in heaven. And when Christ entered there, he entered the one not made with human hands. He did away with it. He cancels the first. Put it back up. 10.9 Hebrews. Put it up in another translation. Let's see TPT. That's what word he chooses to use. And he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. So by being the sacrifice that does what to sin, removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces the... Excuse me. Another strong word. Please, what have you replaced that is still there? He had used words like he arguments, compliments, accentuates, upgrade, in fact, renovate, refurbish, proper up, improve upon. Strengthen, support, fortify. See, your head is there. Then we would have basis to argue. Thank God Moses did not enter. Replaces that entire system. The message. There's just one question left. I need to answer. When he added, I'm here to do it your way, 
He does what now? Another serious set of words. In order to... Uh-huh. I like the new plan. God's way. By which we are made fit for God. By the... Are we saying? Let's see how the Amplified puts that, and I'll go on and finish this. Nine. And he said, Behold, I've come to do your will, and so. He does away with the first covenant as a means of atoning for sin based on animal sacrifices. That he may inaugurate and establish the second covenant by means of obedience. Whose obedience? So which covenant can you enter with God? This is the father and the son. Do you realize you're not even a signatory to the new covenant? You are not even a witness. <laughs> you are nothing more than a beneficiary. A very spoiled, pampered beneficiary of the promiscuity of his grace. You didn't sign anyway. I believe. Oh, you believe? That's, that's the works of the Father. I believe. That's why you 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 have difficulty sometimes appreciating that you are born again. Because breeze did not blow differently when you first heard the gospel. You didn't, you know, not, nothing seemed different. So, like, so but you, you are trying to, you know, feel when something... Mm. You didn't sign nowhere. I think Jesus comes into your life because you prayed, come into my life, I will live my life for you. <laughs> no. He came to give you life that he can live through you. I'm come that they might have. Not that they might give me. I'm come that they might have. Have. Echo. Have. Remember? That's the word in the, in the Greek for have. Echo, 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 echo. E C H O, echo. Have, and as a result, it reverberates. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Echo. Yes, sir. How come that they might have life and have it in abundance? Yes, sir. Woo! To take. 
And so I said to you last week, I am in me, bona fide, new covenant believer. I am the most unbalanced believer you'll find. My life no balance at all. At all. Put a scale. Put the new. Put the old. You see the old? Does this look balanced to you? the first. That he may establish the second. I'm almost there. Few more minutes? You got a few more minutes in you? The word, the word that has been translated cancel, um, set aside, take away, is the word ainero, A-N-A-I-R-O, similar to ero. Contextually, for pruning or lifting up. But that's a different word. This one is Ainero. A-N-A-I-R-E actually. R-E-O. A-N-A-I-R-E-O. Anireo. Are you interested in knowing what it means? Matthew 2.16. No, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the meaning. And Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he set forth an Ainero, all the male children. Mm. Acts 2.23. When I tell you, then I will tell you, I will give you a little bit of etymology. Him. Being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and I a hero. Acts 13, 28. Let me give you that one. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put does that sound anything similar to the English word annihilate? Which can be synonymized, obliterate. So in every of the 24 instances where anahiro appears in the New Testament, it talks about putting to death. Then he says, Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. He to take away, to abolish, 
to slay, to kill, to put to death. In all the instances this variation was used in the New Testament, meant to obliterate. So the New Testament was not given to help the Old Testament survive. Why do we say that? Why would you say such a thing? Because the scriptures say so. Hebrews 8 and 6. The law has served its purpose. And he, and he served it well. And we clapped and celebrated the law and bid it a good farewell. Hebrews 8 and 6. Now he, Jesus, obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he is also mediator of a better, better, better covenant, uh -huh, which he was established on better promises. That better covenant is a new covenant. Now because they can't coexist, see what happens in verse 13. In, in, in that he says a new covenant, he made the first obsolete. It's very straightforward. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old as at 1,960-ish years ago when this book was written? Was becoming obsolete and growing old. And was at the time ready to vanish away. You know why Paul made this statement? Because at the time he wrote this, Solomon's temple was still standing. And there was a reason why there was a predetermined prophecy that the temple will fall. Because it had to take the temple to be torn down, not one stone left on the other, for the old priesthood to anairo. It would have been very difficult for us to embrace the priesthood of Jesus if the priesthood of Aaron remained in Jerusalem. How much more obsolete can it be? Temple lies desolate. God rebuilt Israel in 50, 60 years. And they can't have the temple back. Do you realize that according to Bible end time prophecy, when that temple is rebuilt, it is rebuilt for one purpose only, to be desecrated. The temple will be rebuilt to welcome the man of sin who will desecrate it one final time. It's not being rebuilt for worship because he's not going to enter a temple made. The temple will be rebuilt for the man of sin to go into. And nations will worship him. Yeah. And then the end will come. Yeah. Look around you. The world is always informing you God's goodness. Yes, sir. Don't despise current affairs. Yes, sir. The world is always informing you of God's agenda. Always. Nothing's random. Nothing's random. Don't, don't deceive yourself. Yes, sir. Why can't they build a temple back? Obsolete. Mm. Preparing at the time of Hebrews being written. Mm. 
to fade away. The temple crumbled and stays so crumbled. If that temple was still standing, every pilgrimage, stones would be getting missing. Ultimately, Nigerians will bring down the temple in Israel. Mm. One stone at a time. <laughs> One stone at a time. You just wake up and see the, the temple no longer balanced. So if then it was fading away and the temple no longer stands, then now we can confidently say, has so faded away. Hebrews 18, 13. TPT. This proves that by establishing the new covenant, the first is now, second, third, now. Let's, we now, in the 21st century, let's reread. By establishing the covenant, the first is now, uh-huh, and, and has so, that's so disappeared. So how are you trying to balance something that has faded with something that is new? What then should we do with Genesis to Malachi? First Timothy 1 and 8. But we know that the law is good if one uses it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. <laughs> if one uses it lawfully. All scripture. <laughs> Problem. All scripture. <laughs> it's given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. In righteousness, that the man of God, verse 17, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let me say all scripture. All scripture. Mm-hmm. Romans 15, 4. For whatever things were written before were written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Learning is the word didaiskala, instruction. Not, not, not just learning. Didaskalia. Instruction, which is to say the learning of doctrine. Okay? Don't just think learning and think generically. Are you following me now? Learning, didaskalia, instruction in righteousness. Doctrine, the gospel of Christ. Are you here? That's what learning means there. That we through the endurance of scriptures might have hope. Other translations say that they are learning. I've written some examples. Let's see KJV, old KJV. For whatever, whatever, so things were written at four time, written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. NLT. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises. So there is hope to be found in the scriptures. There's comfort to be found 
in Moses. So our engagement of the scriptures now are to glean comfort and hope and instruction and nothing more. Hope, comfort, instruction. And next week I'll show you how instruction includes what to not know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. True. True. You start to know what is not your business to know. When you know, you're like, okay, yeah, this, yeah, that's not my business to know. That doesn't have anything to do with me. You have to know what is not your business. <laughs> and it comes to the scriptures. How will you know if it's your business if you don't know? How will you know it's not your business if you don't know? <laughs> so you must engage the entire scriptures to know what you should know and to know what you have no business knowing. So David is praying, may their way be dark and slippery. That is something you should not know. Because do you not know what manner of spirit you are of? Can you see that now? I've just shown you one quick example of how to know what you should not. As the same David who prophesies singly most loudly about Jesus. But at the moment of his human frailties, he also ranted. We'll look at some of those next week. You look at Job and his friends. And you will know what to not know. You will know what to not say. You will learn that by reading Job, not, Job was not giving you a nice scripture to quote. You give and take away. No, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Job didn't know what he was saying. He didn't. He and his friends did oh my God, his friends did not help him at all. Modeled up the character of God. You give and take away. Meanwhile, you and I saw the drama in heaven. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh. Blessed be, no, don't bless that name of that God. The Lord will give it and take it as he likes, as he likes it. <laughs> Thy Lord, give it, take it as he deemeth fit it. <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't do that. So you look at Job's ordeals and you learn how not to disparage the character of God. You needed to have seen somebody messing with God's character to learn how not to mess with God's character. I'm already teaching you next week. How would you know what his character assassination looks like? If you have not seen an account of God's character assassination in the scriptures. So scriptures show you what to know and scriptures show you what not to know. Yes, sir. That's how we handle the old covenant. In the light of the new. 
receiving instruction. Along the lines, you pick one or two things that help your, your daily living in the earth. That's not the primary purpose of scripture. Yes, Maybe not even secondary. Perhaps tertiary. But you're, 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 it's written for your learning. Instruction. So there's much instruction to be found there in the light of what their actual message was about. Because once you understand that that's the message, then you can see him all through the scriptures. Yes. Would you be pleased to learn that? Yes. But for today, in the name of Jesus, haven't you been fed well? Yes. Would you like to give God some praise? Yes. Give him praise like the new covenant believer that you are. I'm a new covenant believer. I am in a testament ratified by the one of eternally relevant blood of Jesus. It ushered me into a covenant that God cut with himself. That leaves me with nothing else, other than being a beneficiary. Not only that, it retired the old. It expired the old. It cancelled the old. It obliterated the old. It replaced the old. It annihilated the old along with all its stipulations, all its regulations, all its rules, all its restraints, all its limitations in my life for righteousness. Therefore, I confess that I have partaken of the cup of the New Testament in his blood. Therefore, every benefit, every tiny weeny single benefit of the new covenant that accrues to believers is mine in totality. I am not, I cannot, I will be not under the shackles of the Old Testament. It cannot be binding on me because it has faded away. It has faded away. It has faded away. God deals with me exclusively Particularly, significantly, primarily, on the basis of the new covenant. He's not borrowing from the old. He's not spicing it up. 
he's not demanding of me requirements that were met by my elder brother. So in this new reality, in this new covenant, in this new testament, don't let them hear you say this one. I rejoice. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the Truth Simply Put or at WarTheChurch. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.